Welcome to Hodlers episode seven. And um, today we're joined by Will, AKA Crypto Insight UK. He's a crypto educator and content creator with over a following of 90,000. You're mainly on TikTok, you're on Twitter, you do YouTube, you've got the 3,000 on YouTube, you're doing well. As you can see, all these um, socials are in the back right there. Nice little plug. Very, very smart from you right there. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll start off. Oh, we're also joined by Tyler as well. Sorry, Tyler, um, aka NFT Dad. So go drop him a follow too. Um, I have a Twitter going. Get me to get me to two hundred followers, and I'll eat my left hand on there you the live stream. There we go. Do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get it started. So um, do you want me to call you Crypto Insight or Will? Which one do you prefer? Either or. Let's go for Will. Okay, we'll go Will. Um, so yeah, let's start off um, for the listeners listening right now. Who are you, and what do you do? I feel like I'm on like Take Me Out, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a dating program over here in the UK for those of you who don't know that. But anyway, um, I'm Crypto Insight UK or Will. Um, I basically create content, started on TikTok with content creation, um, and then now use like Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all the socials. Um, I just research crypto every day and then try and display that to people. If you want to know a little bit about my background, I've been in the crypto space since like 2017, 16, 17 ish. Um, it grew from a big passion of mine, which is gaming. Um, I used to play like competitive Call of Duty, got into the like technical side or, or fundamental side of crypto that way. Then like combine that with like in later life, wanting more of like a mm-hmm. understanding of the financial system and found some flaws in what I thought was a f- well, flaws with the financial system and then potentially some solutions from crypto. And that's like a short story as to how I started my crypto journey and then just shared my journey since um, maybe 2020, November 2020, started to share some experiences of mine and then grew from there. So where did you actually like learn all this stuff? Was it just through like self-education, YouTube, that type of stuff, I'm guessing? Yeah, massively through self-education. I think I'm a big proponent of like, you can learn anything online now. Obviously, yeah, you have to filter through like a lot of crap. Like there is a lot of crap. <laughs> I out think there. that's the biggest skill you need nowadays. Yeah, definitely. But I think that after a while, like you start to be able to filter through that that information, and you start to pick up like similarities from different places, and then you can find what's true by seeing like recurring messages and referencing with other things. Um, I think that. The best way for me personally to learn was YouTube to start with. I read books now like I never thought I'd read in my life because I'm like dyslexic, don't enjoy reading at all. But recently, um, I want to learn more about like the psychology of it, uh, specifically technical analysis I'm reading about at the minute, psychology behind trading. Um, so I'm reading, I can't see the title of it from here, but a big, um, <laughs> a big book on the, on the psychology of technical analysis, basically. Yeah, nice. Um... What was your like first experience actually getting into crypto? Like, were you one of the guys who like, we, most people have the story of like, oh, my friend told me to buy Bitcoin like back in 2012, whatever, when it was like four pound. Do you have any of those experiences or? Yeah, I've got like a few weird ones. Actually, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know where my first ever like Bitcoin purchase came from. I start with Bitcoin, by the way. Yeah. I feel like everyone starts everyone with did. Bitcoin. Yeah, every, like, yeah for sure. If you don't, then like, Fair enough, but you've taken a different path. You're probably like close to someone who's really into crypto if you haven't started mm-hmm. that way. If you've heard about it like on the grapevine, you probably started with Bitcoin, I'd have thought. So I don't know where my first ever purchase of crypto came from, but my my love for XRP is a is a weird we'll get into that in a second. Um that's got some weird like journey in it, but <laughs> 
I started with my Bitcoin purchases, I think from like different like things that I saw on Twitter, obviously being like in the gaming community, we're on tech all the time. Saw it mentioned a few times, used to play wages for money, which is like where you play your team against someone else's team for a pot of money and whoever takes that, like whoever wins takes the money. Uh, some people were doing that in Bitcoin. So we just all got a little bit like for a laugh, like I didn't understand it really. Then I thought that was quite a cool concept that you could do those sorts of things with it. And we had a look, well, I had a look into it a little bit. Didn't really see um, the potential in it. This was back in like, 2017. Like, mm -hmm. saw it, thought, okay, yeah, speculative. Didn't really understand the financial markets either. I was like, okay, I'll have a go with this. Um, let it ride. Put, put the initial amount in. Probably only like four or 500 quid probably at the time. Rode it up to maybe four or five grand. Oh, shoot. Jesus. Took a little bit. And like just probably just over actually what i originally put in so did well there in a, in a sense nice. and then rode it all the way back down to wait were you saying that was your first <laughs> yeah my first oh, wow purchase. jesus but, but it wasn't like a financial purchase it wasn't even a speculative purchase i didn't buy it to make money i just bought it because people were using it and then it increased mm. in value and i was like okay well that's pretty cool sort of thing yeah but i didn't really believe in it and then as that journey was going on, like we wrote, like wrote crypto, I started like going on the exchanges as it was going up in value, trading it with different other cryptos on like, what was the exchange called? Like Bittrex or something like that that I was using. And I went to a house party um, for New Year's of, on the 20, on 2017 New Year's. And um, I met a guy there who came and sat next to me and talked to me about like Ripple and XRP no for like an hour and a half. And I've never spoke to this guy in my life. Still <laughs> never spoke to him since. Like I was at, it was my girlfriend's friend's house party. Um, and like he was talking to me about Ripple and XRP and I was the person sitting there like not possible, market cap, like all this sort of stuff. And then the crash happened, road crypto down shut my exchanges, like didn't really look into it. Then then it comes to like C19 crash, like 2020, March 2020. Yep. And I have kind of got my eye on crypto. Like there's always a little bit of interest that stayed, but not like enough for me to do anything with it. And I was like to my dad, oh, get some crypto now, like buy some crypto. And we, he, was, he owned a small company at the time and he had some cash on the side. And I was like, now's the time to buy to buy bitcoin if you're ever going to take a even a speculative punt on something now's the time to buy it and he didn't so that was good Oof. um we spoke about it for like two two and a half hours um trying to get him to put this cash into the into it but you kind of see where i was coming from um with not wanting to do it and then it gets to november and i was just like of 2020 and i was like look this is the time smashed all my life savings into like by the way don't advise oh, doing jesus this. christ I do not okay advise doing this let me just big dj moves there. right there <laughs> yeah absolutely into probably like a different basket of about 20 cryptos um oh, that's not too bad then i guess if i yeah, meant all into bitcoin Nah, main focus actually on xrp this time okay. i've done a bit of research prior to it um yeah because my my main reasoning was if there is going to be some sort of solution to any kind of problem that we've got at the minute cross-border payments really jumped out at me um this was before like i had the knowledge that i've got now by the way so this is just like mm -hmm. off like basic research um i was thinking cross-border payments is probably an, an aspect of something that we do need to improve um transactions per second on bitcoin aren't good enough and like gas fees or 
or, or transaction fees are too high. And yep. so I was thinking, okay, this this is like a corporation that's helping people make that make that order easier. And I'll just I maybe had a weighting of like twenty five percent XRP, ten percent Bitcoin, fifteen percent ETH, and then the rest spread around different cryptos that I thought were decent, like D chain, chain link, these sorts of things. Rode them up really luckily into like March. And then through like TA that I'd been, so I had, I, was, I missed a part of the story is I was trading Forex the year before. Oh, nice. I was, doing a, I was doing all right with that. And so through my TA and like assessing like historical charts of cryptos, yep. XRP like runs the, the last in the cycle and pumps the hardest. So I was, always had the plan of like, take my profit, cycle them into XRP, ride XRP, um, and then take profits. Like I'm not here to be a maximalist. And then... Mm. Obviously, as everyone does in the journey, you get more engrossed and then you think, all right, like, I'm not going to, I'm not leaving the space sort of thing. I'm not here to flip my money. I'm here to, to start talking about this because I think it's going to change the world basically. Yeah. And that's basically where I am now. I think, don't know if I missed like hell a lot of story there, but <laughs> I'm probably getting boring. So <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna tell no, you no, don't be stupid. <laughs> we don't have a time limit. You can go as long as you want. And I think one of the, the really cool things that jumped out for me as you were describing that was your, you know, what you've learned now versus you sort of aping in with your um, life savings there. And I think, you know, that's probably that and, you know, the pandemic and, and you very, you know, uh, intelligently recognizing cross-border payments and this necessity to move money around, how challenging that was when, when uh, the pandemic sort of kicked in. And then, you know, you find yourself on TikTok and you find yourself researching and you've got this, you know, I think that's, that's what so many people are looking for when they're trying to figure out how do I, how do I make my way forward in the crypto spaces? Who else out there? Like I can either do it myself, take my own time, or I can try and find somebody that spent that time and learn mm -hmm. from them. And that's probably largely, you know, where your success has come from, from building your followership and, and building out, you know, your, your content creation platforms as well as you have, um, so that's that's a really really key nugget there. So that that story is amazing. Thank you for for sharing that. I want to um, uh, ask you, uh, you know, a little bit now about. I guess it's a bit of a downer. Like it's it's you know it was it was in during the pandemic during twenty twenty it was kind of like everyone was sort of really enjoying this bull run. So certainly in the NFTs that's where my background came in. I did a bit of crypto as well. You know, Chainlink XRP until it got delisted on my exchange and various uh, things like that. Uh, but certainly there was this, <clears throat> you could kind of like, you could make a ton of mistakes and still have a lot of fun and still kind of find yourself on the other side. We're sort of headed towards a little bit of a different world now where regulation is this sort of shadow that's starting to loom um, in, you know, the Charles Munger and Mungers and the Warren Buffetts and all these people that said, you know, the only good thing about Bitcoin is, is, you know, to get rid of it. Like it's the worst idea on the planet, basically. Although I think recently warren buffett sort of changes yeah they've, they've all started changing their minds slowly like one by one yeah one side of their mouth they're like it's terrible and the other side they're like yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but i wanted to get your thoughts on um you know certainly you're in the uk but you know feel free to to give us your sentiment you know around sort of the governmental crackdowns that are headed our way um, and, and what effects you think that'll have on the market, sort of a macro uh, point of view, just yeah, with regulation, yeah. Yeah, I think that's like a good topic to talk about. Yeah, so we just touched on Warren Buffett. Didn't he take like a stake in Nubank from Brazil and they're like 
massively pro crypto or maybe even offering oh, crypto really? in, in south america so he like cut down on some of his uh legacy like finance positions to take position in like a new bank like that who are offering crypto so it's a bit of a weird like statements be putting out but i, I kind of guess where they're coming from it kind of goes with his like logic though like don't invest into things you don't understand so i do understand it from that perspective as well but going on to the regulation question oh i think it's a tough one i really really do because the further we get with negative price action now without having regulation i actually think regulation could help with price action because i think that i'm kind of like writing a bit like a newsletter at the minute but I think that we've got this huge problem around the world of like a strengthening dollar, a liquidity crisis at the same time, and different countries starting to become like insolvent. So you've seen like Sri Lanka, and then we've got like huge interest rate problems in Turkey. We've seen like uh, uh, America like sanctioning Russia from SWIFT, or, or that's a joint decision, obviously, but they're stopping them trading essentially in the US dollar, or they still want to do things in the US dollar, but they're stopping trade with Russia. This leads to in time like the collapse of the dollar in my opinion because any sort of time when you stop trading corridors in a world reserve currency you're decreasing demand for that currency and when that demand is like decreased but the supply stays the same or even increases as they're like quantitative easing and printing out money that's over time going to erode the value of, of that currency because people no longer want to trade in it so What's my point with this? Well, if the if the strength of the dollar in terms of the value compared to other currencies is rising and the demand is weakening, like what what is going to happen when countries can no longer afford to trade in the dollar and other alternative payment corridors start to appear? So like we're seeing like SIPs and then like which is like China's like the, the Bank of China's creating their, their SWIFT or already has their SWIFT created or, mm. or, or alternative. And like BRICS nations, uh, apparently like Iran, Saudi Arabia, Argentina, are all looking to join there. Russia, like today or yesterday, came out and said, for BRICS nations, let's create like our own currency. So back to regulation, what does this mean? Well, I think like they may or may not try and do things with regulation in terms of they're going to regulate stable coins. Let's get let's get onto that. So you Europe want to regulate stable coins. Um, it's massively in the news because of Terra UST. Everyone wants to regulate stable coins. But my point with that, like, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place. But my That's point with my original comment was that there's going to be some Hail Marys coming from countries. They're going to go, like, like we're already seeing, there's going to be Hail Marys coming from countries like Turkey or maybe even Sri Lanka or anywhere like that. So we're already seeing, like, the, the Central what is it, African Republic, um, El Salvador starting to use Bitcoin. What control do the U.S. have or do we have um, in the West to stop countries doing this if they can't afford to buy goods in, in the U.S. dollar? So mm -hmm. where, where regulation may or may not come in, as the, prices of, as the dollar strength rises or cryptocurrency weakens, I think they may like, have more or less like, impact depending on where the price of crypto is. And that sounds weird. But like if regulation comes through and it's super like against crypto but they can't afford the dollar i think there'll be like alternative like payment corridors setting up anyway people are going to hail mary on things that that they can afford like and that's universal decentralized like maybe like bitcoin i think it's not a bad idea for a store of wealth especially for a struggling economy but if regulations are loose 
like on crypto and and promote innovation then it could really boost like the price of crypto as well so i think they could really try and what i'm trying to say is i think they could really try and like knit it into the financial system it would make it it would be a good idea i think and like if i've noticed something like this then surely they have but at the same time i don't think regulations can kill crypto because i think that countries are struggling now countries are struggling they need they need that they they need an alternative payment system and if you're the us specifically and you're coming out with strong regulations and you know you've got opposition and people creating alternative or competitive payment systems to your outstanding payment network do you want to have some sort of input into a potential different corridor of payment or do you want to just try and obliterate it and then risk the fact that they might go and trade in the russian ruble that that's where i basically that's right. basically where i'm saying not necessarily the ruble but maybe the yuan or whatever also to side note off that like we see a lot of um regulation happening um and that's obviously going to affect the markets hugely um coming off from a side what's your thoughts and like um all the governments looking to create their own type of coin like their own digital currency what effect will that have on the markets as well do you think that all they're trying to sort of decrease the i don't know the trading volume the popularity of these cryptos and push their own crypto i don't know they're trying to steal like all the hype well i think central bank digital currencies that's what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, I yeah, think, yeah i think that's inevitable like um whether you like it or don't like it doesn't doesn't really matter i mm. think that any kind of monetary advancement like that has probably been decided years ago. It's just being implemented and rolled out now. Yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're saying they're doing tests and all this sort of stuff, but they probably ran like different programs to see exactly how it's going to work. And I'm talking like projection programs, like they must have all yeah, sorts of technology exactly. that, that run simulations like that. Um, there's a lot of hate towards them, but I actually think that that's because obviously of, of, the, of the privacy issues and, and and those sorts of things and i can completely empathize and understand with that especially doing what i do um but i think that there's a big positive to them and that is especially when we have financial issues and, and like this you can directly stimulate people who need uh, assistance like you've got families struggling to pay energy bills groceries or whatever you can directly see which families are most like affected and give them some help um, rather than printing out a stimulus check for everyone in the whole of the US. Um, a lot of people who may or may not need that YOLO it into the stock market or crypto um, when it was actually meant for people to not like have a financial disaster. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of benefits the, to it too, isn't there? Yeah, get the economy turning quickly. Um, if you can impose things like negative interest rates, although the people in the country are going to hate that, uh, it's going to increase spending and start to get money turning again within the country when people are scared to take risks because of because of a re recessionary period. Can, yeah. can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just a bit fuzzy, but it's all good. Um, yeah, we'll go to the next next one anyway. Um, so yeah, right. So the markets right now are down like hell, and yeah, we're talking about um, regulation. So on the back of that. What do you think needs to happen in the crypto market in general to reach that next level? Let's say Bitcoin, 500k or whatever, like the next boom is, is inevitable anyway. But what do you think actually needs to happen to reach that level? Do we need like better utility? Do more people need to start using it? Stuff like that. Well, I don't think like 
for Bitcoin specifically, they're not going to introduce Justin, yeah, any Justin, any kind of. Can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? Okay, yeah. For Bitcoin specifically, they're not going to like introduce any kind of new utility for that. They may like um, put legislation out there that can say that institutions can hold like a certain percentage of their balance sheet in Bitcoin and like promote um, custodians of like banks and stuff to be able to hold that Bitcoin for the institutions. I think that's the main thing that needs to happen is that um, like a lot of people, if you if you're talking about their everyday retail investor. A lot of people don't want to have the stress of like looking after their own keys. And if you're talking about institutions, a lot of them have got loads of like obviously different risk policies that are going to need to be addressed by like uh, governments to give them the option to hold Bitcoin or have a third party hold it on their behalf. Um, and I think those are the rules that need to be decided. Um, and that's where a big influx of money would come. I think that. A lot of institutions want to take on some extra volatility. Um, so I think a lot would actually asset allocate into something like Bitcoin. But if you're talking about Bitcoin specifically, that's how I think Bitcoin will reach its next targets if we start to see some uh, legislation like that. But if you're talking about the crypto space in general, I think for it to take us to the next level of adoption, um, it actually needs to solve real world use case. And it isn't really doing that at the minute. It's just speculation. Agreed, yeah. um, and for that to happen, um, we just we need the regulation, then we need adoption. But again, it needs to become more simple for the everyday user. Like, although this week I have like used some like stock brokers and stuff like that, I found them really hard to use. To be honest, I actually find crypto quite easy to use and quite quite like obvious to use. It's not the same for everybody. Maybe that's because I spent a lot of time in the space. It needs to be as simple as like clicking a button to send yeah, from A yeah, to yeah. B. Um, and those and those sorts of things to be able to bring like mass adoption in and you may see that in 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 i think smaller economies before larger ones but like for example um like ripples odl corridors are now open to 25 countries that are largely illiquid and normally pay about nine percent uh, remittance fees on average and now they pay like next to zero because they're they're utilizing xrp as a cross-border settlement asset so that's like an example, even though the volume's not that big, like it's about 8 billion a year and it, it grew from about 1 billion last year to 8 billion as Q1 of this year, even though that that doesn't seem like a lot of volume, I think that that shows that there is a space for um, assets that provide utilities to come through and like help with the financial system. Yeah. And a quick, a quick anecdote and jump in here with a, uh, I believe it was El Salvador that went uh, to, you know, get, made it legal to use Bitcoin as a currency <laughs> yeah, and then uh, some people in to do some kind of check it out. Like, how's it going? What are people actually using this? And I, I guess what had happened was the Bitcoin was wrapped on, I believe on the algo algo chain mm -hmm. and, yep. and uh, it was really, really slow. It was too slow. Mm -hmm. And people, um, you know, they were trying to, you know, make the exchange of purchase and it would, would time out constantly. So I think that as well, you know, to your point, Will, about, you know, adoption and, and re removing friction and making it like laser beam easy, you know, because mm -hmm. I use my phone, I double tap the side and hold it up to a little thing and I pay for my stuff with my Apple Pay, you know, yeah. it's ridiculously easy. So yeah. I think you're right. That, that's absolutely what's really going to move us that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like touch on that point, I think you're talking about like the lightning network there, like so Bitcoin's like layer one scaling solution. But I don't think that... Bitcoin is a payment asset. And I think that that's where, like, I don't think 
I don't want to say that Bitcoin doesn't have a future because I don't believe that. I believe that pers- in my personal beliefs are that um, banks will hold Bitcoin as a speculative asset or, or a store of value that people are coining it as now, uh, similar to the way they hold gold um, because it's finite and and there's now a lot, a lot of liquidity in the market. But I don't think it will be used every day, day to day, because it doesn't make the monetary system any easier. It kind of adds an extra problem to the old monetary system. Um, and when you're talking about like instant payments with like obviously Apple Pay or, 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 your, or your debit card and like in terms of what we need to do is we need to advance that, not like take a step backwards. And yes, although the the systems we use at the minute isn't instant settlement, it does look like instant settlement on the front end for people like us who are using it. This is where something like, in my opinion, XRP should be used because it can create it, not necessarily on an everyday basis, just just the same principle or concept as XRP because uh, it instantly settles transactions, whereas Bitcoin can't really do that, like um, like like the XRP, the XRP can, or that it appears that we already can with real money or fiat currency, but we actually can't. We aren't instantly settling. We're just moving like front end numbers, and then it's settled at, at the back end by the banks at the end of the day or the end of the week, depending on which banks it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's a perfect segue to the next section um talking about ease of use and like exchanges um so yeah we're going to get into all the different exchanges and the bit of beef that's been going on right now and there's um so basically coinbase i don't know if it was coinbase in particular but we've seen a lot of exchanges now um they've released a lot of their employees um getting rid of quite a few i don't know who it was do you know who it was it was it finance or i don't know it was someone but there's been like um, quite a few um I'm not sure, but I know that like FTX, like the people are still hiring. I think Binance is still hiring, FTX is still hiring. Um, I know Ripple is still hiring, obviously. That's oh. where I spend <laughs> a lot of my time. Um, but like companies like that are still hiring. But like I think you said Coinbase, yeah. they they released like quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, it like, wasn't like one. Of, I swear, no, one of them wasn't like, let's have a look. Um, but I swear one of them was like 1,200 staff. Oh, right. Really? Um, but I was going to ask you your thoughts on that and like, why are we seeing such a like why are they making people redundant and like well, obviously they're making a lot of money and the profits are probably booming right now why the hell are they getting rid of all these stuff yeah i, I actually think that there's like a lot of problems behind the scenes like everyone like everyone says like when the tide goes out you can see you swimming naked and i think that a lot of these <laughs> Uh, a lot of these exchanges specifically like DeFi exchanges and and places offering yield um have really overexposed themselves by trying to be trying to become too complicated with their lending systems and and over over leveraging themselves into different areas obviously you, no one expects for a, a stable coin to collapse but who knows how far like the contagion can spread from like ust and even with that like if you've got liquidity being sucked out the market and then you have a collapse or something within the market where people are already cashing out like because they're panicking from uncertainty or they need dollars or whatever, they're already withdrawing their funds. And then you have like an internal collapse of something that you're supposed to, which is supposed to be stable. It's like double pressures on your company. So if you think that like Coinbase, well, it depends on how you look at like where the top was. If you look at the top in terms of price, obviously the top's in November, but Coinbase IPO'd on like the exact previous high to that. And after that time, like market sentiment never got as high, like in terms of like uh, trends and search volumes and stuff for cryptocurrency so since then they've basically like been on a downward a downward slope since ipo in especially their stock less stock price 
Um, so they were probably prepared for I don't I don't know maybe that timing was like accidental or yeah. whatever but they they obviously didn't have the right preparation or reserves for for like what's happening now they're not a stupid company they've been around for a long time so they've either like completely miscalculated or they knew that they were just holding them staff for like just short-term periods but i i honestly yeah. don't know i feel like coinbase is a bit of a weird one yeah they I'm, obviously have i'm having a look here them. as well yeah coinbase cut their workforce by 18 percent, almost 1100 people and then also bybit cut their force by 30 percent, which is over 2000 people and then also blockfi oh and crypto.com laying off five percent 260 and blockfi 20 percent, 850 people and that was all within the space of like the same month well, um, Blockfire massively struggling. I know that. Oh yeah, they've, they've just been taken over, haven't they? By yeah, FTX. they've had offers anyway, like two. Oh, they've not actually been officially. It's official. Um, Crypto.com. I mean, you can kind of see that there are issues there, even though like it might not be that apparent. Like they've decreased their. Um, it's a really reward. confusing one, Crypto.com, because like looking at their price yeah. action, they've been like decreasing heavily and from my knowledge they have like one of the biggest brandings in the world obviously they have the stadium they have who was it um isn't UFC, ronaldo F F1. Uh, someone he oh no ronaldo's finance or someone i don't know but they have a lot of people like big big money on advertising but they're just still just tanking yeah they um, spent a billion dollars on their advertising on their advertising budget um so again like maybe they already had this factored in like maybe they maybe they have some maybe, sort yeah. of um at a director level some sort of clause where if the market's at a certain participation rate then they start to cut staff i i don't, I don't know mm. yeah yeah um but they also might have been caught with their pants down with some of these things that have been happening in the market they they genuinely may have and like as i said who who knows how far like i think three arrows capital or another like hedge fund who knows where they're invested yeah, they or like if they've got company. any loans yeah they just um, had a big one who who knows where where these companies are leveraged that's that's the issue is and that's why we need some sort of regulation and i think that exchanges will be one that get heavily regulated because we don't know what they're doing with the capital that they've got and whether anyone's money's safe in exchanges is why i always say to get your get your crypto into a hardware wallet if you if you've got one yeah coinbase not to not to you know dogpile on them too much but further to your, your comment about you know when the tide goes out folks swimming around you know not not wearing their trunks um they're they're they've been caught you know taking uh people's customers data selling it to the u.s government mm -hmm. on your location and all this sort of thing um you just mentioned you know keeping your stuff on a cold wallet can you talk a little bit about your security recommendations and how to avoid situations like this Sure. Um, personally, I keep the majority of my crypto on a ledger. Um, I I don't have an affiliation with. Them. I have an affiliate link or something, but I don't have anything promote. Like, there's no. They're not pay. They don't pay me to promote or anything like that. I just personally use it. Um, I think treasures are supposed to be decent too. But basically, there's like a phrase that goes, "Not your keys, not your crypto," which which essentially means that. And again, if we're if we're dominating Coinbase, we've recently seen that um, <laughs> in their terms and conditions that they anyone who leaves their crypto on there if they go insolvent is basically like yeah, I saw that, yeah. a, a debtor of coinbase so they can just they can use that to pay off the people that they owe money to which is or, insane or coinbase. so um if you leave your crypto on an exchange that that disappears you could be in a bit of bother is essentially <laughs> what what's going on and you're saying like what do i do for personal safety 
Mm. Well, I I don't expose myself to any exchanges really. Like the only time I ever really do that is if I'm deposit fiat to buy crypto. Um, it makes it a bit of a pain because a lot of people sit there with um, stable coins on exchanges with limit orders in. Um, I have done that in the past, but when it's a period like this right now, um, I I really try and stay away from that. Maybe I have I've got some cash still, but it's in it's sitting in my bank account in in actual fiat, um, and I will deploy that if we get an implosion of something like Tether. Other than that, I'm pretty stocked up right now. The prices, unless the prices tank like really low, I'm just, I'll obviously get back involved again. But for now, I'm just sitting on the sidelines to see what's going on, holding a huge bag of crypto. Like, I know that a lot of people don't believe the bottom's in. Um, I don't believe in trying to time the bottom in a growing space like this because I have a personal belief that we're completely speculative right now. And at any point, that could change the utility in some way, shape or form. And that could, like, wrong for everybody and we could really take off from there. So when you're getting offered prices there. 90 95 percent or in bitcoin's case 75 percent away from its all-time high and you believe in the longevity of that asset it's if no you haven't got ex yeah if you haven't got exposure then you're only beating yourself so yeah getting into xrp now probably your favorite um topic yeah it's confused me a little bit the lawsuit um can you give us a quick rundown of the lawsuit what it is and how it's restricting xrp at the minute yeah sure so the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission uh, from the US, a regulator that basically regulate whether something is a equity in the US, like a stock uh, and a share. Uh, they basically sued the company Ripple um, under the assumption that they sold XRP in, in an illegal way to raise money to grow their own company and that people who bought XRP were under the assumption that they were... Uh, that Ripple would act on their behalf to secure them a profit in the XRP that they bought. And that's essentially what the lawsuit is. And they've sued uh, Ripple, the company, but also uh, the co-founder, Chris Larson, and the CEO, Brad Gardenhouse, for selling unregistered securities. So just to get something clear straight out of the bat is that they don't, they're not actually charging them with fraud. They're just saying that the way they raise money is, isn't the right way because they believe that the asset is a security. And then on the side of like, so that's what their lawsuit is. And on the side in the defense of Ripple, they're basically saying that XRP is a currency. We've had um, clarity from countries all over the world, different regulators, even regulators within the US like FinCEN, who they had a lawsuit with for a similar thing back in like 2013 or 15, I can't remember. Uh, and they decided that it was a currency and they didn't need to um, file with the SEC. Um, but Ripple actually still did file with the SEC monthly and met with them monthly. And then the SEC slapped a lawsuit on them for the sale of an unregistered security. The place where it gets really complicated is that the law actually states that a person of average intelligence should understand that XRP is security. Um, and that, so basically that it's obvious. And then Ripple's defense is, if it's obvious, then why haven't you brought out any legislation for us to be able to follow um, and the SEC obviously haven't really got much of a counter argument with it. So what's been happening recently is just massive delay after delay from the SEC because I, I personally feel they're just trying to pressure Ripple uh, into settling because the SEC basically want to take a paycheck and look like they're keeping the rest and, and basically scare the rest of the cryptocurrency space to like come in and file with the SEC. But I think they've kind of bitten off more than they can chew because they've won like every case they've taken against crypto companies. 
but it's just because in my opinion that all of the crypto companies in the past haven't had the money to pay the legal fees like it's cost 100 million to ripple so Jesus far to be Christ. able to fight the sec they basically bully crypto companies into settling with them and the argument from ripple's side again if we're talking about like raising money or um or or a rip or xrp specifically being a security of ripple is that ripple do have securities already they sell stock in their company um as private equity they're not they're not a public company right now if you were going to buy a security if xrp was security in my opinion it'd be a security of the xrp ledger which no one actually owns ripple actually only um, runs seven percent of the validators on the network so it it doesn't make a lot of sense for me personally but then i'm i don't have a law degree and i don't have a like financial background in terms of like stocks and shares so there's there's a lot of flaws on both sides and and to give you an update of what's happening at the minute um the 68,000 XRP holders who are being represented by an attorney called John Deaton, who's been on my podcast, if you want to go have a look on YouTube, um, who basically is representing their rights to to go to the SEC and be like, look, we didn't think we were buying a security. We bought XRP as a, as a, as a currency, a cryptocurrency. Some of them don't even hold XRP. They just think that the SEC are overstepping the line and they want to be involved in the case and, and basically counter litigate against the SEC. So it's all getting super complex. <laughs> and yeah, it's a lot of money on the line for both sides. Um, Ripple apparently were offered a settlement, but they didn't take it. Um, Brad Garland House, the CEO of Ripple, came out and said, we won't take any settlement where xrp is considered a security because the security um like registering would affect the price and the time it would take to settle with xrps apparently you'd have to settle every transaction through through an exchange broker or, or something like that and, and record it that way so that's kind of where we're sitting with the the lawsuit specifically right now so i'm guessing that's why it's taken so so goddamn long because it's been going on how long has it been going on now mm, i think it was filed in like december of 2020 December oh, okay, right, late, okay, so it's only like two years. Oh, yeah. right, I thought it was much longer than that, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, um, so so the, the dates for it are um, if, like, there's no settlement, 95% of SEC cases settle, but if there is no settlement, they're looking at summary judgment in the 15th of November this year, which is, like, basically where all the parties have to have handed their, their argu arguments over to the judge, and then the mm -hmm. judge can make a decision. Um, oh, okay, so on, that's the big day. On that well it'll take her it could take her like months to make oh right season, okay but that's, when, that's like the cutoff date right um yeah but then after that what do you think the effect on xrp will be if that does settle in xrp's case if it settles in the favor of of ripple then i think that it's just going to give clarity to all the us um the the main the main thing about the case at the minute is that it's been t it's made xrp be taken off like all the us exchanges so there's no like retail transactions of xrp from the us or there is but it's really tough um but i think that it will actually be the only asset in the world that will have like clarity from every single country um mm. and stamped on clarity apart from bitcoin so i think that that could give it um like a lot of credibility for like institutions especially ones that may want to make payments across border when they see that outside of the us which is 95 percent of riffle's customers at the minute um like the odl growth has been growing so much like i said it's like 125 percent quarter over quarter and, and 8x since last year in terms of like odl growth 
So when institutions see that and they want to start interacting with this network that Ripple have been building um, and use the asset XRP to settle their cross-border payments, like if they get the green light to say that that's legal and fine, I think that it really could bring in a lot of um, volume to the network, which is which is what everyone wants who holds XRP, I guess. Like it's not it's not that Ripple necessarily we need Ripple to um, to increase the volume on the network but anyone who's trying to build on any network is like good for the network in general so uh, we want we want ripple to win the lawsuit because it's in the best interest of the network itself mm -hmm. so let's say like 5 10 20 years down the line do you think ripple has the potential to be like one of the leading crypto it already pretty much is is what top five at least um do yeah. you reckon it has the ability to be like the top one or do you think bitcoin will still be number one or do you think there'll be another crypto that takes that number one place that's a hard question to answer but like it's been neck and neck with eth up until the lawsuit was dropped on it back in 2020 um it actually flipped ethereum's market cap twice in the 2017 um bull run so to say that it hasn't done that this time is probably a maybe maybe become partly because of the sec lawsuit but i don't know like i feel like it's speculation to say that it is because of that we presume that that's the reason that it's not done that maybe the adoption is slowing i don't know but the stats show that the adoption is going up so you would presume that it's the sec's um direct impact on the price but in terms of where it might be in the next five to ten years i think that a crypto with utility will flip bitcoin at some point because unless and, and maybe not five to ten years i don't know that specifically but like when if crypto becomes actually utilized and this is an if like let's say we have cbdc's they need a way to settle cross-border we at the minute that's like it's called nostro vostro which is like how um different countries pay each other so like let's say the like the bank of england wants to pay um someone in japan um some japanese yen like a, a, a like a private bank there we actually hold like a certain amount of Japanese yen in the Japanese central bank um, that just sits there dormant until it's needed to be used by that country. Oh, okay. And when you get like, so, and when we get CBDCs, that issue isn't going to go away. Like this, all it's going to do is digitize the issues that we've already got. So this is the whole point in what Ripple and XRP are trying to solve at the minute. They're just trying to be like a solution. So them countries don't have to sit and hold dormant capital on each other's balance sheets. You can instantly swap through the asset XRP um, from dollars to whatever it might be, or, or pounds in this example to Japanese yen. Um, and the dormant asset can just be XRP, which is like floating around the network. So when a crypto, whether that's XRP or not, when a crypto does solve problems like that or facilitates someone from like my phone to be able to send it straight from pounds to yen to someone else's phone through through a digital asset, that's when... I think something could flip Bitcoin Simple. or if an application layer crypto like Ethereum has like a huge metaverse system built on it when you're using mm -hmm. that within within like a, within your Zoom calls or whatever it may be. If you're using like that an asset in that space, that could also flip Bitcoin, in my opinion. But until that happens, I think you're more likely to get institutions holding Bitcoin in their balance sheets. So Bitcoin will probably take the next big spike up um, unless unless we see the need for um, countries who want to transact across border and are desperate to get like instant liquidity when, when things like XRP may take the forefront, but it's going to be a big ask to try and uh, beat Bitcoin in, this, in the near term. <clears throat>
Yeah, which could happen. I mean, that's that's really insightful. Of course, you know, this is the the Hodlers podcast, so we do have you know lots of folks um, listening to this that are pretty focused on the NFT market, myself mm-hmm. included. Um, although I'm way more bullish on XRP now, even more than I thought I ever could be. <laughs> <laughs> he listed for my exchange. I just got to get on a proper exchange. Uh, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your sentiment on the NFT market right now. Obviously, you know, there's parallels with great crypto and, and the, the larger, um, you know, uh, market in general. Um, and where do you see them going long-term? Like give us your, your, you know, you know, your quick little insight on the NFT market and what you might be playing right now. Sure. And like, I don't know if quick insight is, is an easy one that comes from me. I feel like as soon as I start speaking, my mind just does backflips. So if you, if you, if you're getting bored, just tell me. We'll give you a 10 minute time. I go. (laughs) (laughs) So in terms of NFTs, I think as a lot of people think, um, I, I'll start with, if we just go from like PFP sort of um, um, like speculation hype sort of cycle, and then we go to utility after, I think that NFTs will probably be bigger than real life art. Um, I don't, in just the, the, the PFP sort of way, like as in just the flex or just the, I don't know what you even call art, like store of value or art, like it arts art and it's valued at what it's valued. And I think yeah. that because, um, if you think if you think about the art community specifically um you have huge values for pieces that are like historical or from famous artists now like obviously we have um verification of that with and with nfts you can prove like that's one of one or that's like from this person or when that might have been a small problem in the art community you're gonna have to get people to like to, to make sure that it's legit or whatever. But the main th- reason why I think that NFTs could explode in price higher than original pieces of art over time, I'm not talking about like, um, I'm not talking about like a random NFT becoming more worth more than a Picasso, but over time, I think that it could be because you kind of integrate in two worlds and the, wor- the world that you are firstly integrating is obviously the collector world. Everyone can see that. Um, that's why things even have uh, value now. Uh, it's a collector's piece. It's 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 rare, whatever. But then you're crossing that world with the new generation of people who have grown up through gaming, um, and those people are like the demographic, maybe even below me, maybe my maybe my um, age group. I'm 29, and people below that, like I, I made a TikTok today, like 53% of American households now have games consoles. Within those games consoles, they will have like micro economy. People are buying like skins on Fortnite, Call of Duty, whatever it might be. And at some point, those people are going to grow up into a world where we are going to have some sort of metaverse. And whether that means like we're walking around in a sandbox, like Minecraft look, layout sort of thing, or whether it means that we just use a universal platform to get from one place to another on the blockchain, kind of like what the internet is now. But within that, like, where's our wallet going to be? Is it going to be tied to us? Are we going to be walking around with an avatar? Is that avatar going to be like at the minute people are, people really want like a blue tick on Twitter or they, they, for example, when they go on social media, when they're on social media, they pay, they post pictures of themselves or their car or whatever. And that's the next thing, like NFTs are the next thing, like in terms of that, like when they get integrated together, you're basically combining the collectible community with the with the community of the world. So you've got the eyes of the world being pushed into the group of the people who own the collectibles, if that if I've explained that in the right way. So let's say 
let's say like a Picasso is valuable to an art collector, but if all of a sudden the whole world became art collectors or were at least wary that that was like that is a Picasso, then the the value of that is should increase exponentially over, over time. That's that's basically my thought process on just the value side of it. And then a turn as far as like utility goes for like intellectual property and stuff like that. I think that that's when we'll see a wave of adoption, but I don't know how much that will bring to like the more collector side of it. So let's I'd use like Board Ape Yacht Club for example. Obviously, even with that with that like specific asset, if you buy one of those, you get access to the community. That is a huge thing as well that people overlook. I think that the community itself, what are they at like ninety and a half ETH at the minute or something? Um, the community itself is probably worth like. What, I don't know what ETH's gone up today or down today. Like I say, ETH at a thousand. The community itself is probably worth like nine and a half thousand to be a member of that group. So, mm-hmm. like that's another thing that people don't quite understand. And I like, I I help some people who are um, um, wealthy individuals. And recently, we've had a chat, a group of us, about grabbing a few board apes um, because I think that long term when people realize what i've just spoke about or if people realize i think it's worth the punt that people at some point are going to think the same way as what i've thought and are basically trying to buy a ticket into that community slash want that to be able to flex it to be able to have the original of whatever piece it might be um and then if you go to the utility side um i think that it's going to be they'll be great for things like medical records driver's licenses house deeds everything's going to be tokenized in some way um and nft is just a great way to do that for like a lot of a lot of like tangible assets just tied into a deed or something online like for example here we go on the xrp ledger again but um <laughs> last week columbia have announced that they're going to be like um digitizing uh, land registry on the xrp ledger and they're putting a hundred thousand pieces of land onto the xrp ledger um like asap using the exxon wallet and x stamp so you're going to be able to like scan a qr code and see who owns that land through the xrp ledger and I, and that's like and that there's a lot of use cases that uh like ripple for example has donated 100 million to like carbon emission groups to try and get people to carbonize uh to tokenize like um what are they called like esg certificates is that what it's called i'm not sure but um, i've got yeah. a meeting with a, a company called carbon land uh tomorrow at 1 p.m we're going to just discuss what they're doing like it's not going to be released but i just want to discuss what they're actually doing on the network but when we start to see utility for nfts i think that that'll bring obviously a lot of money to the nft sector but i don't know how much will flow into like the the collectible side of it or not yeah and that that was an extremely beautiful broad-based coverage of, of nft that was a, a really nice sentiment there is so i'm just looking at your your twitter here is that a uh, CryptoPunk you've got as your PFP? Uh, no, it's an XR. It's an XR Punk. An XR okay. Punk? No way. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> it's insane. You have that, um, and I fully agree with you. Like on that, the sentiment there, uh, you know, across <laughs> many many of the points that you've made. But certainly, I think, um, yeah, I, I I studied a little bit of art history, and there's a data movement back after World War One, where which was sort of the expression of art and free speech, and you know, uh, poetry. Um, and around that time, um, art value went up a lot. So when people sort of emerge from, you know, like 
a global pandemic or they emerge from a world war or some sort of a you know shared societal trauma art tends to be kind of on people's minds because it's something that's can be quite you know it's a human art is sort of a capturing of the human experience so i think you know that's another piece that that could layer in there as well yeah and like this is kind of weird that you've said that because like i've had some interest in the i haven't read the book yet but i've i've researched a bit about the book called the fourth turn in and i think that they are the next generation after um that we're well we're in right now like disaster or something like that and the next is like art artists so that that's kind of like a weird a weird lay on onto that yeah, i think i think it is too and i hope for my, i have three young kids so i hope for them that that's the case so <laughs> you know that me and my our generation kind of weathers this and, and folks like yourselves leon and, and you will are out there doing this research and really you know leading you know kind of shining a light in a in a dark cave of sort of sketchiness out there uh for for the next generation of people to jump in there and and really set themselves up for success um okay so um this is our our world famous question we ask everyone and then i'll throw it over to, to leon for our outro but if you could go back in time you found a time machine uh and and back to when you first started your crypto journey what's one piece of advice you would have told yourself um at that point in time what you, what would you say to yourself if you, you jumped out you, and, and if it's xrp i'll be like that's hilarious but yeah, go go and give me your your uh, insights there uh Go all in. <laughs> no, uh, if, I could go, if I could go back, I would say, um, look, look into it on a deep level. Like, enjoy it. Like, don't, don't just mess around and and be an idiot. Like, go, just actually look into what what different things can do because that leads you into a massive rabbit hole of like understanding technology and and actually i probably would say just to go all in not even just for the financial reasons but i'm kind of the person that won't really pay attention to something unless i've got a vested interest in it so i probably would tell myself to go all in not just financially but also because and like i kind of created uh, a life myself around something that i really enjoy and i didn't understand that i enjoyed that until i went all in on it basically so beautiful love it love it and yeah um yeah this is the last little piece before we finish off but um you're clearly quite knowledgeable on the markets and for all the people listening and for us um where do you get your knowledge from where's the resources do you read like blogs youtube any where do you stay updated on the market um well i'm gonna say twitter which is just a stupid thing to say but like Mm. twitter is a good one but you have to obviously be following the right sources um I've been lucky enough to like meet and speak to some like amazing people like Raul Powell and then through him you can find other other people. So Real Vision actually. So Raul Powell's company Real Vision is like his yep. his consumer facing company. They they cover a lot of the global um like macroeconomics in general. Um they also have Real Vision Crypto which covers more crypto based stuff but in terms of crypto I mainly stay up to date through Twitter itself and a few YouTubers, but I mainly obviously focus on XRP. Um, in terms of like reading stuff, like at the minute, as I said, I'm reading a book on TA and psychology of TA. But yeah, Twitter's Twitter's my space. And but if you knew, if you're new, like Twitter's not going to help you because it's just going to be a sea of random information. Yeah, you need to be following it's, the right accounts. Exactly, it's got to be like a refined twit, um, like Twitter feed, I guess. So, but what you can do is. Have a look who other people are following who you respect, like, and mm-hmm. then follow some of the people they're following. The main accounts of like 
news companies like Blockworks, these sorts of people, they're, they're pretty decent for giving information on the day-to-day. Um, but if you're a complete beginner to the space, like the, what I always say to recommend is, is just go on like CoinMarketCap and click through the top 10 cryptos and read through what they do. And from there, you're just going to go to different places. And, that, and that's the best way that I'd say to, to get into, into the space. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I would say you can plug yourself, but you've literally got it everywhere right now. Um, for the guys on YouTube, as you can see, is Crypto Insight UK on every single platform. And yeah, for the guys listening as well. Um, but yeah, I'm Tyler, of course, NFT Dad on Twitter. Um, go give him a quick follow and get him to 200 and he'll, what was it, eat your left hand? Something like that one. <laughs> on fire first though, so it's there, there we go. There we go. Right, well, really awesome. speak you, to you guys later. So much, yeah, thank you so much thanks, for having me on, guys. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I hope I didn't bore you too much. No, it's all good. Well,